everybody, it's Drags, and it's Wednesday, April 24th, time for episode 295 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com, and of course, as always, follow us on Twitter, at Patriots CLNS. It is finally here. All of those mock drafts are a thing of the past as of tomorrow, the NFL Draft 2019 style. That week is finally upon us. Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday, 32 NFL teams will be reloading and restocking their rosters with the best young talent out there. How will the Patriots use their 12 picks if indeed they use all 12, which is unlikely? How will they use those picks in the draft to restock and reload? We've spoken to CLNS colleague Evan Lazar and Mike Dussault of PatsPropaganda.com in the last couple of weeks. This week... I want to welcome someone who pays particular attention to roster building throughout the season and does a great job of it for Pro Football Focus, Louis Benjamin of Pro Football Focus and ProFootballFocus.com. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Louis, L-O-U-I-E. Welcome aboard, Louis. How you doing? I'm great, Chags. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, Half hour of uh, fun and excitement building up the draft like everybody else and their brother has since the end of uh, Super Bowl 53. You getting much sleep? No. Um, <laughs> combined with the draft, I also have a two-year-old who Aww. doesn't like to sleep a lot. <laughs> well, you know what? That just gets you in more prime shape and gets you uh, ready for the focus and the intensity of what's about to happen. So, Yeah, it's I, resistance training. Yeah, it's totally what it is, Louis. It's resistance training. I appreciate that. Tom Brady <laughs> would appreciate that, too. For sure. It builds up pliability mentally. Um, here's a serious question. You folks do an amazing job at PFF of breaking down literally thousands and thousands of hours of film on players at different positions. But what we, what we really don't know, Louis, is how a particular organization rates a particular player, right? It doesn't it right. really come down to how a team, specifically GM scouts and obviously the coaching staff, feel a player will fit into their system? Right. I mean, that's a lot of it. Um, with certain positions, especially like a wide receiver where the you'll see rankings all over the place, just depending on what type of player you're looking for. Um, and we try to figure that out. But then there's also some positions that are pretty much translatable to most schemes. And those those are the players you'll see rise to the top. You know, and the point is, we, we think we know what a particular team needs or wants or has vacancies for, like, obviously the Patriots lose Rob Gronkowski, right? So we figure they might want a tight end and draft uh, a competent, um, you know, comparable, I should say, tight end uh, to kind of slot into that position. But it doesn't always work out that way, especially with the Patriots, who, as we have heard time and time and time again, stick usually to the best player on the big board. Yeah, uh, who would have thought they would have drafted two offensive players with their two first-round picks last year? Everyone was predicting defense to get younger on that side of the ball. But yeah, you really, you really can't predict what the Patriots are going to do, um, and especially with what Bill's thinking. You never know. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, as it turned out, you know, what he did last year in the first round with his two first-round picks to take Sony Michelle, who scored the only touchdown in 50, Super Bowl 53, and Isaiah Wynn, who slots in as the left tackle uh, to replace Trent Brown uh, this year. You know, those are two key picks that, you know, he's, again, smarter than 
your average bear and he's always looking forward. And that is something I think people have to keep in mind when they watch how the Patriots in particular, and this is, again, a Patriots audience for the most part listening to us, um, that's how the Patriots think. Yeah, and with Sony Michelle, uh, we didn't have a first round grade on him. We generally don't rate running backs that high, um, value wise, but for what they did this last year, you saw it, they focused on the running game and that's what got the job done for him. Do you really think Clellan Farrell, um, an edge rusher, uh, could be available for him at 32? Uh, cause I, I'm going back to your, uh, mock draft of, uh, your Patriots specific mock draft from a tweet of, uh, April 16th. And the very first player, certainly, uh, a lot of people have them taking some type of edge rusher. But Clellan Farrell, do you think out of Clemson he could be available? I think he could because uh while he was a you know a solid starter, he didn't test you know out of the charts um as an edge, and there is probably six or seven guys who might go in the first round from the edge position um and we have him rated right around at the end of the first round, early second as far as grade wise so um it's possible he could be there i think so um as we all know. Um, the second guy you have them taking at 56, um, again, indeed, if they, there are no trades and they don't trade uh, a good number of their 12 draft picks, which I think they will, but uh, if they stick to chalk pretty much in the first two days, at 56, you see them taking Dexter Lawrence. What's interesting about this, and I spoke to Evan Lazar a couple of weeks ago about this, Dexter Lawrence is a different type of uh, defensive lineman. He can do essentially what... You know, a Vince Wilfork or a Malcolm Brown did, uh, and that is, you know, play more inside, take a, take up two gaps where a Clellan Farrell is a pure edge rusher. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence is a huge human being, but for a man his size, he's a great athlete and he actually graded very well in the pass rush for us too. So very versatile. And I'm sure Belichick would love to have a player like that, especially at 56 when a lot of people have them picking him in the first round. It's also interesting is, um, you know, you have Dexter Lawrence falling. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, you know, like a rock, but if he would def- would fall to 56, that's certainly more of a dip or more of a uh, precipitous fall than before the bowl season when, you know, obviously he was suspended and got into trouble with what, you know, you know he has maintained was an accidental uh, PED use. Right, and the coach vouches for him, and I really don't put too much stock into that at this point. Um, and with this mock draft, it was just the way kind of it fell. I'm not necessarily thinking he'll be there, but he was available at that pick, so of course I took him. Yeah, and uh, how exactly did your mock draft break down? Was it you know the staff getting together and um, going through you know picks you know one after another? How, how, what was kind of the structure of the mock? Well, this. A uh, particular one was just one of those websites that puts in, like, the consensus rankings and then makes the picks, and then when it's your pick, you make the pick. Gotcha. And uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about is, you know, if you're the Patriots and you're talking about loading up on a particular side of the ball, is this the year they finally um, go after finding Tom Brady's replacement a couple of years down the road? If there's a guy there they like, take him. Um, I don't think you force it. Um, I wouldn't really 
be interested in taking one in the first round unless it's a guy they absolutely love. And the only guy I really love is Kyler Murray, and I really don't think he's going to be there. Maybe he falls a little bit within range of trading up, but other than that, I would be open to taking one in the second, third round, like a Will, Will Greer if he's there. Definitely uh, could take someone like that. Yeah, and there has been a lot of talk about that. Uh, speaking with Louis Benjamin of ProFootballFocus.com, you can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Louis. All right, Louis. Um, the story breaking, you know, over the weekend, late last week and into the weekend, was that the Arizona Cardinals kind of put out a flyer um, on whether or not their fan base would go for, a, you know, drafting Kyler Murray, <laughs> Murray number one overall. And now the story is that they're kind of, you know, they, the the inclination is not to take Kyler Murray first overall. Do you think the truth is somewhere in between? Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say they're probably just uh, covering all their bases. Like, if they get an offer that's too good to refuse, like a ton of draft picks, maybe they'll be tempted to do that. Um, if I were them, I would. I think taking Murray is the right move because um, you're you're getting an upgrade at the most important position. Yeah, you you believe that then? You believe that? Um, if they have I don't buy anything this time of year that comes out, any type of rumors. Yeah, and I think that's pretty smart of you not to do that. I mean, look, all of the GMs know what they're going to – really know what they want to do, but they're not going to let any other uh, teams know publicly. They're not going to show their hand. They're just not going to do that. And I think that's one th- – that's why I asked it at the top of this podcast is I think we really have to step back in the hours – leading up to uh, Thursday night, and understand that we really don't know what these teams want and see in different players. Right. Everybody's got a different board. Um, everybody wants different things. They want to build their team their own way. Um, and it's it's you'll see how teams value their players on draft day when they make the picks that they are stuck with. So um, the auxiliary to that or the corollary to that. Uh, of course, Louis is, uh, what do they do with Josh Rosen? And would, do you think, do you think from what you know, uh, on having watched him on film and knowing what the Patriots want in a backup, do you think Josh Rosen would make sense in New England? It depends on what I know about Tom Brady. If, if I know he's going to be here for three more years, what's it going to take to get Josh Rosen, your first round pick? I don't know if I'd want to take right. a backup QB, you know, with a first-round pick. I think you've got to make the assumption Tom Brady's at least playing here two more years. Two more years, right, yeah. And, and assuming, you know, his contract ends 2019, i got to assume that they're going to, you know, get the extension done, maybe even before draft night on Thursday night. It's got to get done. I mean, the Patriots have to, you know, somehow find a way to knock down that $27 million cap figure for this year, and I figure if that gets done, then they know better what they want the backup quarterback position. Right, then you know what you need to do, and if I knew Brady was only, if there was possible he would be done after this year, then definitely. Josh Rosen, here's my 32, come on over. So what did you think of Josh Rosen this past year? I mean, there were a lot of people who feel that he had a, you know, he had mixed reviews, and that there were some games he came in, he looked very, very strong. I believe it was against Seattle. He had a very 
good game, and then there are other games where he struggled quite a bit to make the right reads or was late making reads. Yeah, I think we saw with – he definitely had his time struggling, but we saw with Jared Goff's rookie year that it can be turned around when you have a better surrounding cast, and he really had a rough first year. But I liked him coming out of college. I think he was worthy of a top 10 pick for sure, and I don't think anything's changed since then from what we've seen. So what do you see in tape on Andy Isabella? Is a fascinating, fascinating uh, prospect to the wide receiver out of UMass, and you have him mocked as the uh, third overall pick for the Patriots or the third pick of the Patriots at 64 overall. What do you see from Andy Isabella? Um, like my colleague Mike Renner likes to compare him to Brandon Cooks, and I love that. Um, he's got the speed. He's a deep threat. He was second in the class for us for deep receiving yards. That's uh, receptions over 20 yards. Um, and he really didn't show much in the underneath game. Like people compare him to Julian Edelman, but he hasn't done that at all. He's not right. an underneath route runner. That's not his game, at least as of yet. So. I like him as definitely bring him into the offense and put him in the Brandon Cooks position. And right after that, you have Miles Boykin. What do you what do you like about Miles Boykin, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame? Um, athletically, he checks all the boxes. Uh, he's big. He can catch contested catches. He ran. He tested off the charts at the combine. Um, you love all that. And in the third round, that's you know a lot of upside there. He. Um, where he was lacking for a guy his size, he didn't break a lot of tackles, um, so you, that's a concern. But I think at, in the third round, that's a great value and definitely a lot of potential. Um, and have you taken a close look at their depth chart lately? It, it, a reason I ask this, it's fascinating how it changes uh, from week to week to week in the offseason. Um, and now, if you're a believer that the Patriots can get some juice out of 31-year-old Demarius Thomas. They have Edelman, they have Demarius Thomas, they have Philip Dorsett, and then, you know, just a lot of question marks, uh, starting, I think, uh, with Braxton Berrios. And the reason I start, and I said this a couple of weeks ago with Evan Lazar, and I mentioned it again last week, you don't know if, if Braxton Berrios is going to be there uh, Cordero Patterson, somebody who can return kicks as well. Yeah, sure. He, we didn't see anything of him last year. Maybe they know better than us. I'm sure they do of what to expect from him this year, but he's basically another rookie coming in and, um, maybe they count him that way as just another draft pick, uh, to expect. Um, hopefully he can uh, contribute and they're going to count him and not take another receiver because they have him coming back. Here's another wild card I want to ask you about, Louis. Speaking with Louis Benjamin of ProFootballFocus.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at PFF underscore Louis. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, he started out with Tampa Bay, um, played, I believe it was a year with the Jets, and then moved on to Jacksonville. He showed a lot of promise earlier in his career and then really flattened out. What do you think of that acquisition for the Patriots? Yeah, he never really lived up to his potential, at least as of yet. Um, he graded out pretty well recently as a run blocker, and um, he is a, he's been a starter in this league, so that's more than they had after Gronk retired. So he's pretty much their best tight end at the moment. But I wouldn't expect any type of 
breakout season from him. He's kind of showing he's not that type of player. So, I mean, there's the two Iowa tight ends. There's Irv Smith. There's all, there are options if they choose to do that at the end of the first round. And I, I tem, I'm tempted to think that if Irv Smith is on the board and the Nick Saban, Bill Belichick connection with Alabama, naturally, I, I gotta think that there's going to be a strong temptation for the Patriots to take Irv Smith. He's definitely a, a good receiver. He's not really a complete tight end, but um, if they're just looking to replace one facet of what you got from Gronk, which was um, a downfield threat, uh, you know, another target for Brady, he led the class in yards per route run uh, for tight ends. He led the class with a perfect passer rating when targeted. Um, so you're, you're getting a good receiver from him. For wow, sure. I, I did not know that. He, he is He graded out that highly in terms of just pure – Pass receiving skills at the tight end position. Yes, uh, 2.66 yards per route run, which was in line with some of Gronk's best years in the NFL. Obviously, college is different than NFL, but that's still very high. So, Louis, that's that's fascinating to me because, I, you know, knowing Belichick and having been on you know countless conference calls with him, he spoke at length about the blocking skills of Rob Gronkowski and how critical those were. Um, those skills are uh, in the Patriots' offense overall, and, and Josh McDaniels likewise spoke very highly of, of Gronk's ability to block. But I don't know. I mean, if if he is that strong of a passing target, and they feel that he can get on the same page running those routes with Brady, I think that there's going to definitely be the temptation. He, he's in the mold of the other tight end that we used to have that was really good. And he's not as much of a blocker, but still just as much of a threat. And, yeah, he, it would be a temptation to take him for sure. I want to go back, uh, Louis, uh, talk about how Isaiah Wynn graded out a couple of years ago out of uh, Georgia uh, as a tackle and what you see in his strengths and why you think the Patriots project him uh, pretty strongly as Trent Brown's replacement at left tackle. Um, they got to be counting on him, right? They took a first-round pick yep. um, <laughs> on him. So <laughs> it's – I don't know what how his recovery is going to be coming off his injury. Um, it's usually a tough one to come back from. But we graded him very highly, um, and we love that the Patriots were – planning to at least try him out at tackle because, you know, too many teams or we think a lot too many teams just shoehorn uh, players into the interior because they're not the prototype or whatever. But um, he played tackle in his career at college at Georgia, and he was as productive as any tackle we graded. And I, I think he can do it if he's still the athlete that he was. Tell us a little bit about uh, another Alabama prospect that it, that's kind of fascinating to me simply because of the age in the secondary and the safety position. That's Delonte Thompson, again, out of Nick Saban School, Alabama. Uh, Deontay Thompson. Yeah, he had a lot more hype uh, coming into the season, right? But his, he, he did, and he fell off a, a little bit. But this is uh, Deontay Thompson strikes me as somebody – Maybe takes a little bit to develop, but in terms of his ability to go back and forth between free and strong, if he did any of that at Alabama, and whether or not 
the reason I'm asking about that is because the Patriots love their versatile safeties, safeties that can go back and forth uh, and, you know, get play closer to the box or, or drop in coverage. Sure, and he did a little bit of uh, both. He w- he made some plays from center field that few NFL safeties can make, and he's solid against the run, uh, although his grade did go down this season from the season before. But um, coming from Alabama, that would not surprise me if they took a chance on him and maybe get a value because his value has dropped since the past season. What is the most enjoyable thing to you about like evaluating all of these players and and watching hours and hours of film? What what, what satisfaction do you get out of of grading these players? What's the most enjoyable part of it all? Um, a few things like obviously when you see a guy you like who um, has a great game or whatever, and then you follow him and see how he develops and see if you end up being right on him, and then you also get to see like. Players who have a lot of hype who you're actually seeing every play from them and they make a great play, but then the rest of their game tape is just kind of uh, not impressive and you're wondering, like, do these people actually, you know, watch most of the games or are they just seeing the, the, the highlight, highlight films? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and the other thing that uh, Bill Belichick talks about a lot is – and goes over his uh goes over this with his scouts and his assistant coaches but primarily his scouting department is what kind of competition were they going up against sure. uh, and I want to get a sense from you if you have that same type of scale when you're grading players if they're going up against lesser competition do you take that into account or do you not yeah, when we're making our prospect rankings, we definitely take that into account. And that's that's part of the context of getting all the uh, rankings. Our grades on a raw scale do not take into competition. Um, so that's why we go back through and say, why did he grade this way in this game and not in that game? And then we'll move pro- uh, prospects up and down based on that. How much conversation is there back and forth uh, with other folks in the office or conference calls, how, how much back and forth is there in terms of grading players, or do you um, grade positions? H- how does it break down internally? I'm curious. When we're doing grades throughout the season, um, we do it like on a game by game basis. So you're grading the whole game, everybody in that game, every play, every player. Um, but then, yeah, we talk about players we like and all that, of course, throughout the week. Um, we, our office, quote unquote, is Skype, um, since a lot of us w- work remotely. So yeah. we communicate through Skype like we're doing this interview. <laughs> um, and yeah, we just chat and, uh, like anybody would, but. I'm curious, Louie, what are some of the other storylines of this draft besides Kyler Murray at number one, whether or not the, uh, Cardinals are sending out smoke signals, whether or not they're, you know, trying to uh, test the waters, stick their hand in the wind and see which way the wind's blowing. What other storylines are appealing to you in this draft? Um, I would say, like, players like Rashawn Gary, who, you know, is one of the most elite athletes on a pure just testing scale. But for us, we have him ranked as a second rounder on our uh, ratings just because he – didn't play like his uh, athleticism says he should, and that's where his production was. 
So players like him, uh, Montez Sweat, who graded better, but still not where his athleticism said he, you know, you might see. And then on a Patriots, more Patriots centric note, I would say Jerry Tillery. Um, a right. lot of people think he's a option at 32. We have him ranked as a top 10 prospect. Um, and he compares favorably to, um, out of, Drafted by the 49ers a couple of seasons ago, uh, DeForest Buckner. Um, athletically and all that production wise, he's just as good as him coming out of college. I'm curious, Louie, what do you think of Dwayne Haskins, uh, out of Ohio State? Because, you know, he threw for 50 touchdowns in the Big Ten and he was considered quite a leader at Ohio State, but it was just one year. And, and I'm curious whether or not an NFL team sees one year of Dwayne Haskins um, at Ohio State setting records, and that's enough to say we're de- he is definitely somebody uh, we project going forward. We have him as our second QB um, of first-round talent. If you need a QB, I think it's definitely worth the risk. Obviously, the production was off the charts, but and it was one year, but – the value of hitting is so is so outweighs the uh, you know the risk if you miss right just because you'll be back there again in the top ten pick and you can take another shot but if you hit you know that's it's worth fifty times the risk and I'm uh, let's go back to the 2018 draft for a second what what you thought of the quarterback class there and Sam Darnold and I think a lot of Patriot fans are wondering. If Sam Darnold started to show signs late in the year last year of being the quarterback he was projected to be. Yeah, for the second half of the season, he was, I think, the top quarterback graded in our system. Or it was a stretch that he was really high up there. So it's definitely something to worry about in the future if he can keep that up. Um, and he, we had him, uh, I believe, as our second QB as well coming out of the draft. What did you like so much about what you saw from Sam Darnold in the second half of the season? Um, he just made more plays and cut down his, on his mistakes. His big bugaboo um, in his final season at USC was he threw in a coverage a lot, made a lot of uh, unforced errors, turnover-worthy plays we call them. Um, but he's always been high in the big-time throws is another metric we use. And he showed that he could improve upon that. You know, cutting down on the bad plays and making more good plays. Speaking with Louis Benjamin of ProFootballFocus.com and follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Louis. Um, how can people follow you, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and obviously going forward as the process of like analyzing each team's draft goes forward from spring into summer? Yeah, uh, ProFootballFocus.com. Uh, we have YouTube. Uh, we have Instagram, um, Facebook. We're everywhere. Um, Mike Renner is going to be doing live draft uh, recap as it goes. And also Sam and Steve have uh, something on NBC Sports. But it'll be uh, everything you can find on the Twitter for sure. Um, and get Pro Football Focus Edge. It comes with a draft guide or Elite if you want to go that route. And it has everything on every prospect in the draft. Uh, every play, We've charted every game of the FBS season this past season, every play, every player, every snap, everything you need to know is in there. There, there is nobody, and I 
do not say this just as an advertisement. I don't say this um, as a thank you, Louie, for coming on the podcast, the Patriots Beat podcast powered by CLNS Media. Nobody has done more review of film than Pro Football Focus. And you guys have just such a voluminous library, and the statistical and analytical breakdown is phenomenal. And I highly recommend anybody who wants to really be up on what's going to happen Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to go over to ProFootballFocus.com and sign up. Because for my money, and I'm in the business, and I write for a living, and I'm, you know, cover the Patriots for a living, it is worth its weight in gold. I appreciate that, Trags. When I look through the database, I learn new things every time I do just because of all the data we have at our fingertips. Believe me, in this day and age, yes, sometimes people can get overwhelmed with data. And, yes, sometimes there's uh, you know paralysis by analysis. But you've got to know what you're reading first, and you want to have the data available to you. And if you're a pro football fan and you want to know what your team is going to do in the next three days uh, of the NFL – draft you've got to go to profootballfocus.com want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast thank our great guest louis benjamin from pro football focus you can and should be following him at pff underscore louis for producer mike alonji and the founder of the network nick gelso this is mike petralia and this has been the patriots beat podcast powered by clns media Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.